Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the gal in a galitarian. Oh, are we? Yeah. Putting it in there? Where it's, well, it's, it's in there. It's in there and we're going to. I don't really know the rules of these. <laughs> you started it. I know. You, I, it's fun. It's good. You gal started is in it, the word. And now every week I have to pretend to know what the rules are. And now you're telling me after all this time. I guess I could help you. You and don't know. I'll who... just be like, um, you got it wrong. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's part of it now. It's just part of it. Yeah. Agreed. The gal and egalitarian. Mm-hmm. I can only use it once. Mark it. Hi, right. I'm Summer. Now we just know. Right. Well, in the more obvious ones, we've always been like, I'm sure we already used that. Right. But I, I wonder refuse. how many obvious ones we haven't used well, because we were like, they're so obvious. Like the her and hermeneutic people yeah. recommend that one all mm-hmm. the time, which is why I refuse to do it because it's the obvious one. Right. Um, gal and egalitarian is pretty obvious, but I'm really branching out this year. I'm going to use yeah. like different words other than her and she because yeah. I'm actually, I don't know if you guys noticed, but about a year ago, I ran out of good ideas. <laughs> for this and well, i've just and then, been pretending then we were planning we planned so many episodes ahead this right, year right. because of everything right traveling holidays all the things marriage all that stuff all of it and surgeries so we yes yeah and we went from having to casually pick two <laughs> Right. To picking three or four. Right. And we were overwhelmed with the information in the show. And we're like, you're telling me I have to think of one more thing. It was painful. (laughs) It was so painful. And I'm sure it was painful for you guys. But we're going to be back on our game. Yeah. So I'm going to use like different words like Mm -hmm. girl and gal and lady. And we'll see where it goes. I'm sure you guys are on the edge of your seats. So um, (laughs) my name is Summer Yeager. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy, who... I bet you didn't know this, is taller than me, but wears a smaller shoe size. <laughs> That's true, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I have kind of delicate little feet. Right. You do. You, Yeah, tiny little feet. And then they feet. carry around my 5'8 body. And also, every time I have a child, I grow a shoe size. So... <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, maybe I'll catch up with you. Pretty painful. I hope you're not stuck with that. <laughs> um, well, you're right. I am Joy. Um, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. Hi. Who, uh, the thing you should know about Summer is that she wears mostly black Yep. and gray. Yep. But, you know, I honestly don't notice it a ton because mm-hmm. I think you have a good sense of style like you have a good personal style thank you um but then every once in a while when you do wear colors Uh, it's like wow you look great so you like save it (laughs) like the one moment i'm gonna wear a color yeah i don't know what it is but black is my happy color and i know a lot of people you either really relate to that or you don't relate to that at all um and i just like the color black i think it's just clean and straightforward and I 
I don't like to be flashy. It's not messing around. It, yeah. It is what it is. Um, I think that it's pretty. Like, I think, I think so too. I think it's a pretty color and I like it. So it is funny because I was, <laughs> I was folding my clothes the other day and I looked at my pile and it was just black and gray like that's all it was and I remember as a child my mom bless her heart you know she's very feminine and pretty Mm -hmm. and and she really wanted me to also love like pinks and colors flowers flowers and and dresses and I just didn't like I just I remember as a child just really wanting to wear gray (laughs) and and not because I wanted to be a tomboy but or anything that's like that, but liked. that's just what I liked. So That's how um, Matthew's laundry pile is. Mm-hmm. It's just blue, mm-hmm. gray, black. There's like a tiny, there might be one white shirt. Yeah. yeah. One. Uh-huh. And then he has a bunch of work shirts, but he has three that he likes to wear. Right. So the rest of them don't get worn. Right. I just like darker colors. I don't know. It's nothing. There's nothing to psychoanalyze. Okay. <laughs> like that's just, it is what it is. I don't have anything against color. <laughs> I used to, lo- I in high school, I was like, I only want to wear black. Like I want it to be dark, like my soul. Oh. And like, I was you, so you edgy. That emo phase. Yeah. Um, and then there was a point where I was like, I love all the colors yeah. and I want them all, all the time. <laughs> well, and I have... As far as like when I decorate, I like bright colors. Oh, yeah. Like my, I have a bright yellow dress. We both love yellow. And yeah. I love yellow and I like to be surrounded by color. But you save it. You have like a subtle yeah. love for color. Yes. Mine's intense. Yeah. Well, whatever. That's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yellow is one of the few words Janie can say and she's obsessed with yellow. That's As I've great. already told you guys, the Yellow Ranger. But like, it's at the point now where like, if we're driving down the road and there's a yellow car, she loses her mind. She's like, yellow, yellow. She loves it. So the other day we pulled up next to a bus and it was like, she, it her was. Her dream car. It was like, I took her to Disneyland. Like her reaction. <laughs> <laughs> like she could not have been more over the top excited, except that she was, you know, belted down into her car seat. But she right. was just really excited anyway. i wonder if there's somewhere you could take we need to like think of a place to take her where there's so lots of yellow. Much yellow oh that's a great idea <laughs> <gasps> she would lose her mind anyway so hey we are back on another monday um and we are still talking about feminism we as are as we will be this week next weekend the week afterwards and and really forever forever <laughs> Why do you think, why do we care so much about feminism? It's, well, it's really interesting because I think we found Sheologian's purpose when we did our feminism episodes. And yeah. we, I don't even think we realized how much it interested us. No. Until we did those episodes. And then we were like, this is our thing. Like, we like yeah. talking to these people. Yeah. Like, talking about this movement. Mm-hmm. I think it's personal for me, too, because yeah. I think that. Because I think that the feminist movement is harmful to women, because I care about women, like it feels personal to me in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, and because I also know how easy it can be to be persuaded by these ideologies, because ultimately they are glorification of the self. Yeah. Um, and it's something that as a human being, I have to battle daily yeah you Um, get it you get why it's appealing yeah especially with the second wave 
totally yeah. get it. Right. Like when you hear the historical context, right. it all makes sense. There's nothing that's out of place. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's sin. It's, yeah. <laughs> and I think too that, you know, what we have been saying about it and, and it wasn't something I think I consciously thought of before we started talking about it two years ago, mm-hmm. but our whole thesis has been that you don't, as a woman, you don't, you don't number one need feminism because God's standard already gives you everything you need to view women correctly and biblically and rightly right that you don't need to add to it but i think the more that we've gone on and uh talked to women and done the show i think i've kind of realized more about how um even if you don't identify as a feminist or wouldn't wear the label there's so many things that feminism as a movement has done that even if you don't think you are a feminist you might have gotten from ideas and beliefs about yourself you might have gotten from feminism and not from scripture well yeah there's a lot of psychology that feminism uses Mm -hmm. that is that's just the psychology of our day right so you even if you aren't specifically a feminist you like a lot of christians who wouldn't call themselves feminists still wouldn't necessarily see like the root issue of living your life to make yourself happy right you know? Right. Yeah. No, I totally do. And I think some people are um, abandoning the term, but still essentially live out the fruit right. pragmatically um, or live as if it was they were feminists and, yeah. and maybe not even realize it. So anyway, I do. I care about it a lot. Um, and and the war, the war we're waging on feminism is not, I just want you to abandon the term. It's, right. I want you to understand what happened historically, how it has influenced the culture that we live in, how it impacts the government, the society and people and how it can impact our thinking and um, how we relate to each other. And I just think it's obviously it's important, but I just think that it's so much more insidious right. than well, just because it really it really has a lot to do with um, the value of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to do it. Ha- I mean, it has to do with so, mm-hmm. so, so many things. Yeah. Um, and if your foundation working forward, like if you're starting from a standpoint where mm-hmm. humans are of ultimate importance mm-hmm. and in order to be most fulfilled and actualized you need to discover yourself and free yourself mm-hmm. that's totally anti-gospel anti-biblical and to let it's basically just letting a false gospel sit you know in what? our churches that's right and you know what i just thought about this and i don't know how i've never made this connection before but when i spoke at the sovereign nations conference about mm-hmm. feminism uh i found that there's this language link uh, uh, almost a, if you look at popular buzzwords and phrases used in a time leading up to uh, times of, of genocide and, and mm-hmm. actual great oppression, it's the language of victimization. Right. And so as we look at the second wave, 
which has a death toll in the millions and millions mm-hmm. and millions through um, Roe versus Wade, yeah. through the legalization of abortion, um, the language was really about oppression. So you have the victimization language of women, right. oppression, da 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 And then you have coming right after that an incredible holocaust in the womb. Yeah. And it's similar to uh, things that happened in Ukraine and Soviet Union and the the genocides over there. If you look at the language, the popular language that happened before, you did have this language of this group being oppressed and being victimized and then that group rising up and essentially starving out I think over mm-hmm. 20 million people. Um, I just... So I knew about that link, like you can look at language to kind of predict like yeah. th- bad things <laughs> that mm-hmm. might happen. Yeah. Um, and I never made that link before between like the language used in the 60s of the oppression of women and the victimization of women that then there was mass genocide yeah. legalized. So that's anyway. Yeah. I might be getting wave, ahead of. The second wave basically like fine tuned. Mm hmm. Um, like if feminism is the female glorification of self, it like fine tuned the gospel of that. <laughs> yeah, it did. It um, did. the first wave obviously set the foundation for it. Mm-hmm. And then the second wave just, it was like an explosion mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, I guess I don't know when, like how to exactly start. I'm pretty sure we covered this the first time we did it, but we talked about how, um, Basically, well, so I would say second wave is like 1960s to 1980s. Yeah. So it's quite a bit shorter than the first wave. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically it happened after a period of time. So post-war um, and things are kind of returning to normal. Mm-hmm. But there's this boom of industry mm-hmm. where... Um, not only can you have things like a microwave and a washing machine, um, but you also have credit available to you mm-hmm. where you can get it and pay it off over time. Right. <laughs> and so... Um, Bad idea. <laughs> it contributed a lot to the second wave because I think what you ended up having was a lot of women in the household that um, sent their kids to school. That was another thing was obviously school, uh, public school, and uh, government school. And then, like, you didn't have to scrub your clothes right. in a wash basin. Right. So your sewing skills were no longer going to determine whether or not you could survive the winter. Because right. everyone had a coat. Right. You were yeah. <clears throat> living in a place where it was warm where food was easily accessible right it was already canned for you so you didn't spend your spring or your summer canning Mm -hmm. for the winter and it really changed the landscape of women's work yeah women were doing typically doing labor Mm -hmm. during the day yeah and all of a sudden they weren't doing labor and their kids were out of the house after a certain right age right um and it's just undeniable that that what that led to was a lot of women feeling depressed, underfulfilled, mm-hmm. um, and bored, mm-hmm. just bored, sitting at home, and yep. um, and then basically all it took was for a few women, a few voices, 
uh, to say a few things and to write a few things that suggested to women that um, the reason why they were bored and depressed and underfulfilled was because they were wives and, and they mothers. were mothers. Right. Um, and so... And, and the it first also, wave already established a really strong feeling of resentment towards those roles because right. the key players in the first wave were very resentful right. towards those roles, did not hold the view of uh, motherhood and wifedom right. in high regard. Well, because to be equal, you had to be educated, you had to be able to assemble, and your chances of being able to do that were less likely if you were a wife and a mother. Right. Um, in that, in the first wave, obviously there were some legal stuff that prevented some of those things. Right. Um, but we're mo mainly focused um, on the roles here in the right. second wave. Right. It took on more of a uh, uh, societal, yes. psychological role. Yes. Um, and so, uh, I I honestly think that the goal of the second waivers was to achieve not equality but they saw the man ironically enough they saw the man as the picture of freedom mm -hmm. um he had no chance if he was married he was the head of the household mm -hmm. um he doesn't ever have to carry a child mm -hmm. accidentally or intentionally mm -hmm. um he gets to be educated mm -hmm. and he gets to go work mm -hmm. and leave the house. Mm -hmm. um, and so we took our model mm -hmm. of uh, ultimate freedom and fulfillment, man, mm -hmm. and women basically said, we need to be able to do all those things. Right. Men don't have, men can stay out all night. Men don't have to wear certain things. They don't have to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. So let's do all those things. Right. I think too, if you kind of, branching off of what we talked about last week about how women essentially really caused government to step in and take over roles that the government shouldn't. Um, the real kickoff of, I would say the second wave of feminism also happened through government through the, um, the establishment called the national organization for women or now we're going to call it now because mm -hmm. it's easier in 1966. Um, and if you look at the, I don't know if this interests you guys or not, I'll just give you how this was established because it was established through the government. This is important for you to know. Yeah. <laughs> now, National Organization for Women, huge liberal left-leaning machine established through the government. So you had the first wave of feminism and then you had liberal women that continued to be politically active between the two waves. Um. <clears throat> they were mainly Democrats. Some of them were Republicans. Um, one such Republican named, oh, I'm going to say this wrong. Oveta Culp Hobby became the first secretary of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare in 1953. In 61, this women's political network persuaded Kennedy uh, as payback for their support and they basically got him elected in mm -hmm. 1960. Um, they persuaded him to establish a presidential commission on the status of women, which was then chaired by Eleanor Roosevelt because she also like she, they felt like she created continuity between the first and the second wave. Um, 
because she was kind of like she was there with the new deal and all this right so some think that kennedy expected this commission that he set up as payback to keep the women out of his hair but the commission because of course it's made up of women and we're we know very that, we know that kennedy had such a such a good opinion of women oh yes such a respect he wasn't an women. adulterer or anything right so Kennedy's like, sure, you guys help me win the election. You can have this commission. He thought it would keep the women out of his hair, but we're talking about women. Okay, that's not how it works. <laughs> so the commission. Hey, we've been doing, we've been working on this since 1858. Right. So, so uh, we're not going away. <laughs> women are very successful when they want to be. Yes. Patient, um, tenacious. That's right. Uh, so the commission ended up producing large and many recommendations for a legislative agenda surprise surprise right. women and a legislative agenda no way <laughs> and they kind of set all this stuff in motion so this these recommendations called for equal pay as well as child care services paid maternity leave and all sorts of other like anti-discriminatory hiring right. practices things like that all this like they so want, many they laws child you care. can't even imagine how many laws yes child care maternity <laughs> leave um all these other things um so anyway the commission built they they were determined so they ended up the commission built a network they found all the women's organizations they built a network um they made special efforts to include minority women and they got kennedy to make two ongoing federal committees um this stimulated women's commissions everywhere and the network that was formed is the network that we now know of as the national organization for women uh so now did a lot of things uh betty for dan was a key player and now and it was very liberal left-leaning and um they helped come up with the Declaration of Women's Independence in 1970. As you can see, we're all about declarations <laughs> as women. Um, some of the interesting ones that I read uh, said, so number one in this declaration, they demand that all persons, including children, be assured a personal income commensurate with the cost of living and independent of their family status. I read this and I was like, children, what need a personal income? Like what commensurate with the cost of, I don't, this is so, this is government overreach. Um, secretarial and executive tasks should be shared between men and women. And response, this really concerned me. Responsibility should be shared between doctors and nurses. Like I just I'm only, I can only no role that. distinction or anything. No, no, no not that. But like honestly, I don't want my nurse pretending to be my doctor. Right, that's there what I mean. There are nurses I would rather see it's than doctors. It's perfectly appropriate to make a distinction in roles in that situation. Perfectly appropriate. <laughs> I honestly. Or how about this? How about we make a distinction between men and women and children <laughs> in terms of receiving an income? Right, right. Um, here, here's here's a really good one that all employers give priority to the hiring and promotion of women with preferential hiring to women of races and classes that have been discriminated against. So this is, I mean, this is tokenism. Right. Like I'm a woman. So therefore, even it's if not I'm not equality, the most it's not it's equality. It's preferential treatment. Yes. Yes. That's 
That's what we're talking about. That's exactly what it says preferential in there. Yes. (laughs) Um, They also declared that women should be able to control their own bodies, to have children if and when they want to, and to refrain from having children if they want to. This ultimately means an end to all laws governing birth control and abortion, with exception of legal standards of health and safety. Safety. It also means that if proper health care is to be equally available to all women, we must have free medical care for all people. Hmm. Heard anything like that before? Hmm. We anything consi- recent? Right. We consider these to be our rights. Abortion, birth control devices, and pregnancy tests to be provided on demand to women of all ages at no cost. Well, so here's here's a big part of the second wave um the sexual revolution and they weren't just happening independently of one another (laughs) nope none of this it wasn't just like second wave was over here and the sexual revolution was over here nope the reason why so as i explained before uh, men were considered the picture of freedom because they got to go out and do all the things that women didn't get to so because women were the Uh, like the cast off group, the minority group, the victim, um, they needed to step up their game and earn their place Mm -hmm. by receiving preferential treatment. (laughs) Um, And so the reason why the reason why women had to demand um, reproductive air quotes rights Mm -hmm. is because um, they needed to be like men. And they needed to not have to worry about being pregnant. Because right. like I said, right. if you want to be a man and if you want to be free like a man, yes, you need to not be a wife yes. and you need to not be a mother. Yes. So here's the thing about most women. I'm not making a I'm not making a commentary on fertility. Please no one get their feelings hurt. Um, for the most part, if you're a woman and you are active and married or otherwise, yep. you can have a child right um but the thing is is if you're trying to be free like a man who's allowed to sleep with whoever he wants which actually that's not true just so you know that's not according to the bible that's not true um uh society developed that Mm -hmm. like we developed as a society that men were allowed to be uh, sexual free, sexually free. Right. And then when that started messing things up for women, we decided we should do it too. <laughs> right. Um, but so the only way that you can be free from pregnancy is to not have sex. Right. Yes. <laughs> Except for them, it was have as much sex as you want. Right. But make sure that you can't have a baby. Right. So that required contraceptives. And then of course, in many times, um, if you've seen the numbers, many many times many many that required abortions yes um which you guys know um how we define abortion which is the true and only definition of abortion despite what anyone might tell you um it's the murder of a child um and so in order to overcome how the the many many ways that we had been victimized as bored housewives we chose to victimize another distinct role yes that god has given which is our children Right. Um, so I don't know if you guys are noticing sort of the cycle that a, we're entering a theme, here. A theme here. I don't know if you're noticing how mm-hmm. incomplete and um, just ineffective mm-hmm. our justice mm-hmm. in this has mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. We took a group. So 
the group. So there was the strong group that may or may have not been abusing women. I'm not going to go ahead and say that all men were perfect angels. Sure. I'm not going to say that, but you know what? Sin accounts for that. I have an answer for that. Right. You know? Right. Um, so the weaker vessel that was being manipulated and victimized by the stronger of the two roles, they, we, so we, we say the way that we can fix this is to be just as strong. But right. in order to do that, More we have to do exactly to what men said, More what abuse. we cl- they claimed that men were doing. We like, they're always, there has to be mm-hmm. like someone being sacrificed. Right. So like you were upset when your freedoms as a female were being sacrificed so that like your male, your, your husband could be the head of the household. Right. To the point where you would sacrifice your children. Right. To not submit. Right. And you know what? That doesn't surprise me. No. I know myself. Mm-hmm. I know other women. Mm-hmm. I know what sinners look like. Yeah. And would it surprise you that from the 1960s to the 1980s, women clawed desperately to not submit? Right. And it the the toll is that so many people were killed. Yeah. Innocent victims. Yeah. They're innocent. They were legitimate. They were in the same position. Victims. That's right. That women claim to be right. in. And so I talk a lot about the battle for the dictionary and and uh, basically the the basically what what liberals are good at doing is redefining words. Yeah. And so they all called this reproductive freedom, reproductive rights. But that's not accurate because when you kill your child in the womb, you're not choosing not to reproduce. You have already reproduced. Right. But the brilliance of what they've done is frame it as though they are now going to get to choose whether or not they reproduce. But if you have conceived a child in your womb, you have reproduced. So now it's not your right to decide whether or not you're going to reproduce. That's right. not that's not even the question. That's not a question. Um, and that was when we talked when we talk about gay marriage. Uh, the question was never. This is again just another. I'm just giving another example of a way that they have been able to to win the dictionary. Right. Um, no one ever refused to allow a gay person to get married. Gay people have always been allowed to get married. It's just that marriage, by definition, is the covenant union between a man and a woman. Right. Gay marriage doesn't exist. Yeah. It, that's not a correct use of the word marriage. Right. So a lot of times when we're looking at this, the sexual revolution, we're talking about the very redefinition of words and the redefinition of gender. So the other day, um, you know, Planned Parenthood has a new CEO or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. CEO. Her name's Liana Wen. And, uh, Planned Parenthood tweeted about the new law in New York where you can, if you're on your birth certificate, you don't have to choose male or female. Mm -hmm. You can put X. Um, and someone said to me, what is, why does Planned Parenthood care? This is like Radio Shack caring about a new like buzzsaw or something. Right. No. Planned Parenthood is, Planned Parenthood relies 
on the idea of of bad science yeah. of gender not mattering of you not believing in the femininity and abilities of a woman to conceive right. a child they depend on that they depend yeah. on you they need all of our sexual ethic they to need, be so wrong they need all of the sexual ethic to be wrong yeah because that is their core mission and yep. so leanna wen tweeted the other day our core mission is providing protecting and expanding access to abortion and reproductive health care we will never back down from that fight it's a fundamental human right and women's lives are at stake now her last phrase there is absolutely correct right. but the rest of it is is the battle for the dictionary right. because abortion is a clinical word for murder right and reproductive health care are you kidding me right have you looked at the studies of what happens to women's reproductive things right post-abortion yeah it's a nightmare oh, yeah. yeah it is a nightmare yeah so all of this is completely dependent on the idea that you know gender is a social construct and it doesn't really matter and this the i you're tying me down to these societal demands of me and it's like no actually your biology is tying you right to this demand yeah and as we know from all of us hopefully having read love thy body seriously and by now hopefully <laughs> listening to the nancy piercy episode is that it is a extreme devaluation of the human body to say my body has nothing to do with who i am and should right. not determine anything right. but p.s if you've reproduced if you are pregnant the body that you're killing is not your own right well and it's just it also kind of goes like we talked about this with the first wave how women were considered legally dead or, you know, right. but a part of that was that they were under the protection and cover like of their husband. Mm -hmm. um, so it just makes me think that statement like that they're to protect, mm -hmm. like we've placed our protection mm -hmm. under the government, under Planned Parenthood, which mm -hmm. has killed Millions. more babies than you could ever even want to Rack think about. Head around, right. Um, and so we've taken so protection we didn't we didn't like that no. we didn't like protection protection limited our freedom that's right but really it didn't right we just changed we the f feminists especially in the second wave wanted their protection where they wanted it right they wanted the government to protect them they wanted to be seen as a source of their own protection yeah and so in order to do that they had to behave like males because males were the role yeah that provided protection that's right so women were educated they mm -hmm. were more educated in this time mm -hmm. um they were also way more sexually active yeah um now that being said i'm sure there was a good like we also don't want to view this part of history mm -hmm. um with this like oh everyone was like this like right. i'm sure, sure there sure, were sure. plenty of good solid yes non-feminist <laughs> families course. that were not doing this of course but here's the thing is that um I think it's pretty clear that we're seeing some societal impact. Mm -hmm. So feminism is growing mm -hmm. and it's having effect. Mm -hmm. um, it has had an effect. Mm -hmm. And so um, what you see, what you see here is a long, like, like I don't know the patience it must've taken to act. And, and I'm sure not all of this was like completely thought out, but um, you know, first wave, leads to second wave and if you think about how long the first wave took to enact 
their um, virtue and, Mm -hmm. you know, their goals. Mm -hmm. Think about the 20 years Mm -hmm. it took for the second wave Mm -hmm. to like, we are like, we're not that far from when the second wave was happening. Right. And, and, and there are some things that we reject, obviously, when we do our third wave episode, there are some things that the third wave feminists would reject about the second wave feminists. But they set, like, if the first wave set a foundation, mm-hmm. the second wave fine-tuned it. Yes. And they added to it. Yes. Um, I read this thing. This is incredible. You you have to, I don't, you're not even going to be able to respond. This is so crazy. <laughs> so I was reading about the, the homeless, the lesbians. Okay. Within the second wave. Mm-hmm. Um, they called themselves the radical lesbians. Like one word, radical lesbians hard to say oh gosh radical lesbians talking about winning the dictionary yes no kidding so they were (laughs) they were they were an offshoot of radical feminism and they named themselves the lavender menace because betty for dan who um you actually gave i thought an excellent short biography of the first time we talked about second wave feminism so maybe i'll link you guys to that um she wrote the feminine mystique and the feminine mystique was to the radical feminists, what love thy body is to us. Right. I mean, it was their textbook. Well, and I think it's worth mentioning too, that in this time period, um, the written word was huge. Yes. Women would write books yes. and it would make it into the house, the homes yes. of the board housewife yes. uh-huh. and they would consume it. And it was like, women were incredible at getting the public publications and right. starting publications and perpetuating publications. Yeah. And yeah, and you have so many during this time period yes. that are specifically about sexual freedom yes. about how to be fulfilled as a woman Look at and what they women all can do. involved yeah. not being a wife and not being a mom. Yes, that is correct. So Betty for Dan, who was like, the face arguably of the movement um she named the radical lesbians the lavender menace at she called them that at a now meeting in 1969 because she was convinced that lesbian issues were not relevant to the majority of feminism and so she viewed them as like a threat to what they were trying to do um and she had to uh, like she had to walk that back. I think in 1970, she was like, oh, okay. You know, this is what, this is what like intersectional feminism does. Is it feminism eats its own. is a perpetually um, apologizing for all the wrong things. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, but listen, I was, I was reading something that the, the, Rada, the lavender menace wrote and this, it, this blew my mind because this is, there were like prophets because this is what we believe now. Mm-hmm. This is not we, me and you, right. not, not yes. Christians, but, but our culture. Yeah. Um, it should first be understood that lesbianism like male homosexuality is a category of behavior possible only in a sexist society characterized by rigid sex roles and dominated by male supremacy. Yes. <laughs> no, that, Yes, that's that's correct because because society absolutely is determined by sex roles because right. we are defined right. because our bodies are defined because they do have a purpose because God created us with a purpose. She's right. If you get rid of the expectation that a woman be a woman and a man be a man, then right then if all of that's gone then what is lesbianism what is homosexuality it's nothing do whatever you want right if you get rid of your biological purpose 
Yeah. If there is no role that you must fulfill because God right. gave it to you, then sure, do whatever you want. Yeah, if it's not natural and if it's socially constructed, right. then you can throw it out the window. Yes. I just Cuz you can just say, well then we need to just change society. Right? It's it's malleable. Yes. Gender roles are they're up for whatever we say they are. Now listen, this this belief system that is entirely pushed upon us by humanities departments and colleges right. across the nation and BuzzFeed was and BuzzFeed <laughs> <laughs> was the radical of the radical in the 60s. Right. And they absolutely succeeded in convincing but they're but they're right. That's the thing is that if your body has no purpose, if there's no purpose to right. how you were created, then yeah, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, they did get they did get extra weird because this this next part like made me made me a little nauseous. Um, until women, this again is from the the woman identified woman written in 1970 by the radical lesbians. Until women see in each other. The possibility of a primal commitment, which includes sexual love, they will be denying themselves the love and value they readily accord to men, thus affirming their second class status. So essentially, I, I bring this up to point to kind of what you, I think something you talk about a lot when we talk about feminism is the resentment of men. Right. And wanting to glorify the woman. So this is arguing that... Like women should be in relationships with women because that's the best place to be in a relationship. And if you want to, if you really believe in women and love women, then you're going to be a lesbian. Which just fits with the mantra. If you're a lesbian, especially, I mean, at that time, you couldn't be a wife. Mm -hmm. And if you're a lesbian, you won't be a mom. Right. Um. So anyway, if you read The Woman Identified Woman, which was the radical lesbians declaration, essentially, it it theorizes that lesbianism is a political choice and it just really kind of brings out that like feminist anger that was typical of the time. Yeah. Um, and there is an assumption in the article that your sexuality is malleable, like you said, mm -hmm. that it's completely changeable at will. There's nothing biological about well, it. That's the only way to get away from the role distinction that's made in the Bible. Right. The only way possible is if roles mm -hmm. are made up. Yep. We made them up. Right. So now we can change them. Yes. But the problem is we didn't make them up. Right. We're just trying to change them. Right. And this, this and is... it's not even it's not even. Do you guys understand that the only way for women to not have a child Mm -hmm. is to abstain mm -hmm. or to kill mm -hmm. their child. Mm -hmm. So in order to change these gender roles, mm -hmm. in order to be free. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have all these nice little slogans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But what that takes mm -hmm. is the murder of a child. Yeah, You're telling me that's not natural. You're saying we just made that up. We have to commit murder to right. redefine what a female role is. Right. And you're telling me we just made that up so now we can change it. Right. I know. It's ridiculous. And this is a precursor. If you read if you read this material, it's a precursor to the idea that your identity is fluid, which right. is where it we're is, at now. Yeah. If you I mean, reading some of this mm -hmm. feminist literature, yeah. like I was I was going to talk about Sex and the Single Girl by mm -hmm. Helen. Uh, ironically enough, her maiden name was Girly. 
Brown. Stop. Helen Gurley Brown, Feminine <laughs> Mystique by Freddy Friedan. I am way too tickled by that. I know, I know. I was like, she made a, such a mistake getting married. First of all, she was a feminist. And second of all, her last name was Gurley. Why would she want, like, it was It was so fitting for what she was trying to do. Like, what the heck? Right. Um, I was looking at, uh, we go, Matthew and I like to go to use bookstores because he finds, like, cool plant, plant books, books there that right. you can't find or you don't know or in print still or whatever right and um there was a guy who wrote he wrote this like plant biology book and his last name was pollen and i was like you did it you did it you did it (laughs) you achieved your namesake that's it anyway (laughs) helen Gurley. um obviously i think i've referenced the female eunuch by jermaine greer she was a little bit later on in the 70s Mm um and uh that's it, honestly it's how they communicated a lot like they got their message by writing books right um that could easily get into the hands of women um specifically the women that that they felt were being um victimized and being imprisoned in their households right um but uh <sighs> what was i just gonna say I just totally forgot what I was going to say. This is too much information. So my, much information. This tur- I remember, this is what I forgot about the last time we did these episodes. What? That like my brain starts to turn to mush. Like you read, yeah, you can you only read, read so much about feminism. I know. I was And sitting, it starts to turn into mush. I was sitting on the couch the other day with my husband and I was reading, I checked out all these feminist books from the library and there was a moment where I just like had to put them all down and he was like, I don't know. I don't know why you do this to yourself. And I was like, I'm doing it so other people don't have to. Like, right. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, um, oh, okay. I think the whole point of me saying that was just to say that, like, those things haven't changed. Like, maybe in little ways about inc- with, like, inclusion in terms of, like, race and sexuality and level of ability and yeah. body type yeah. and all that stuff. Like, we've expanded it a little bit more. Um, but this stuff is... I mean, it's like better at predicting where we're at now than Orwell. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and yep. and they, so they weren't, um, they didn't waste their time no. is what I'm saying. Mm-mm. They wrote these books and they're still mm-hmm. considered appropriate for use. Yeah. Today. Well, this, this feminist thought has invaded, I mean, everything. I was, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day and I came across this this advertisement that was in my feed um and it's clearly like a women's clothing or whatever and the clothes look cute and um your husband's calling me he was <laughs> um, just calling me too he's calling what me. the heck is he Doesn't doing he know that where the women are working <laughs> um so i came across this brand uh and this is the ad so this is 2019 here's what the ad says As a brand, we believe women need to support one another. There is strength in our sisterhood, and that's how a revolution begins. In this collection, we highlight the power women have as a collective force and identify that our intersections and differences are what makes us undeniably strong and whole. And so here is why, as a Christian, you must reject this. Number one. Well, that was just a gospel. That was like... That's the feminist gospel. <laughs> Seriously. Um, we highlight the power women have as a collective force. No, as a Christian, I am weak 
what makes me strong and whole is the Lord. Right. And my community, the the people that uh, I identify with are other Christians, male, yeah. female, black, white. It doesn't matter. Right. So that's where our unity comes from. That's where our strength comes from. It's not an elevating ourselves. It's not an elevating us and who we are and what we do and oh sisterhood like that's not where it's at my sisterhood is with other believers it doesn't matter right. that they're females it matters that they're believers right. that's that's what that's what our strength and our unity is based right. on and so you have this idea here of do you know oh you're strong because you're a woman i i, I believe that women can be strong yeah. and capable because they're humans made in the image of god set on the planet right. to do work and there's a, a common grace factor among all of us. Right. But ultimately, these movements are looking to humans to save themselves. Yes. They're looking to themselves to worship, to make themselves something worthy of worship. Right. And you're not worthy of worship. Yeah. You're weak and you are sinful. And the only power you have is going to be the Holy Spirit, like within you. Like, that's it. That's like where your strength comes from. So I just... And and I, you see in the second wave, I haven't talked about this a ton, but you see this departure between, so the majority of feminists were white women with middle-class yeah. backgrounds. And so you kind of see the, the lesbians who are like, hey, we're not equally represented. Yeah. We have things going on. This is where it all starts to begin. And then you see, yeah. And then you have the, the, the black feminists who are like, we don't feel that we're really being represented here right. and then um i was listening to a story this morning about i can't remember her name but she called herself a chicana feminist mm -hmm. and she didn't feel that she really identified with the movement either well and so and here's where it started to the third wave Fracture. started to eat the second wave mm -hmm. because there were people there were feminists that were doing pornography as right the sexual revolution would that is consistent with the sexual revolution right but then you um, had sections of feminism, feminists who hated pornography. Yeah. Feminists that would say that's the objectif objectification yeah. of women. That's mm -hmm. absolutely wrong 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so it well, starts this to... fight is still going on. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I just saw the other day uh, this group called the New Wave Feminists speaking out against, quote, sex work, which is the oh, yeah. nice term for prostitution right. now. You're not allowed to call it prostitution. You're not allowed to say prostitution because it has negative connotation. That's what right. they say. You have to say sex we aren't saying now. that, just to be clear. We aren't saying that. The Right. I think culture, prostitution is prostitution. Yes. Is saying, no, it's called being a sex worker. Um, and so the other day I saw an article that the new wave feminists were either wrote or shared. I can't remember. Um, and they are against sex work and they think that, that it's bad and that it doesn't empower women right. but then you have an entire section of the culture who would never dare say anything negative about quote-unquote right. sex work um so well, that it, that divide is still alive oh and yeah. well yeah we do i think because of because feminist groups were like starting to fully form in the second wave i think that's why at the end of it like they started well that's what ended it they right. like they started to realize like right. oh wait a minute like we have like the because obviously the feminists had their traditions they had their 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 gender roles like right it's it's objectification for you to right. be naked on camera right you know or in a picture or whatever right um and so they were still 
as the feminists would say, I guess there are like kinks to work out in yeah. there and their stuff. But, um, but I, uh, there was one, th- there was a quote. Is Matthew alive? Why was he calling Yeah, us? he just wants to make sure that I know that we're going to dinner. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're coming to dinner? Yeah. With me? Uh-huh. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, okay. Okay. So Gloria Steinem, in an address to the women of America, she said, we are talking about a society in which there will be no roles other than those chosen or those earned. We're really talking about humanism. Humanism. So this is yes, what you her... Are. Um, yeah, I thought that was very, very telling. So her, um, as she speaks to the masses... Humanism um, is her, it's an absolutely honest word for her to use. But of course, what she means by that is um, the glorification of the human. Human is God. You achieve your, the the goal of this life is for you to achieve your most humanness and yes. to embrace that and to live it yes. um, with and don't care about anyone else doing yeah. it. Um, except for there, there's this weird like sort of underpinning, which is don't do anything to offend anyone else either. Right. Unless they're men. Or um, Christians. Right. <laughs> but so. Um, or stay at home moms. I just wanted to mention that because she explicitly also says there will be no roles other than those chosen hmm. or those earned. What? Chosen or earned? Yeah. Okay. And so. Um, those are two really different things. Right. And she tacks on or those earned at the end. Or those earned is really uh, seems wrong considering women were demanding preferential treatment. Right. Um, that's not really earning something. And um, it may not be uh, to your great pleasure but God has chosen you for a role. Right. Already. Yep. So humanism would absolutely include you choosing your own destiny, but that doesn't exist. Right. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I think that, so as we're going through the waves, we are denouncing a lot of things. Right. And hopefully showing where these ideologies are wrong. Mm-hmm. And, well, and hopefully showing that it is an ideology. Right. Calling yourself a feminist is not just the radical notion that you believe right. women are equal to men. No. It's there's historical. A, yes. It is a there are belief to system. This. There are connotations to It's best to friends this. with Marxism. Yes. <laughs> um, we'll get into what Kimberly Crenshaw started in the 80s. She was a critical theorist and what that means, I'm mm-hmm. sure. We've already talked about that quite a bit. So if you don't want to wait, just search the website. Um, it's sheologians.com if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what I want to say as I think we're closing this out, yeah. um, is that when we tie up this series in two weeks, um, I'm hoping that we can, it's not just going to be, this is wrong. This is wrong. Here's why. But I want to end it with, okay, here's what's right. Right. So here's all the things that we would say these, you cannot be a Bible believing Christian and hold to these secular humanistic ideals. And here's why. Right. Um, but here's what it is like here. I, we want to tell you, here's what it is to be pro woman. Right. Because you should be pro woman. Like that's great. Right. Be, be pro woman. Yeah, but and then the next... again, like the battle for the dictionary is that people will tell you if you are against 
quote, reproductive health care, then you're not, quote, pro-woman. But right. that is a lie from right. the pit of hell. Yeah. That's why we're trying to really tell you where the lies are along the way. Right. Right. That way you're not surprised at the end of it when we're like. And so it turns out that humanism at the expense of other humans, but also trying to have some moral compass doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. And it's completely irrational. Yeah. And um, and it's done and it is done. My biggest point here, it is it is done all in the rejection of a role that's already chosen for you. Right. Right. And would it surprise you right. that we would reject what God has for us? Right. No, it doesn't. It shouldn't. Surprising. It's not surprising. You do it every day. Right. Like you, you do in, in small and big ways and yep. it needs to be constantly uh, repented of. Yep. And um, I just want to remind you of our thesis. <laughs> yeah. Which is Christians don't need feminism because we are, we have a standard in scripture that says that women are equal in value and worth to men and the all the worldly ideologies in the world that sound great and and sound nice and sound all these things you just need to realize that like worldly compassion being quote a feminist that is pro-woman like worldly compassion is is evil every time because they hate god they mm -hmm. reject god and their fruit is the death of millions and yeah. and I'll it never, requires a murder just so you know like we're never going to stop talking about that like no. as long as abortion is going on i don't care if you're tired of hearing it yeah. i don't care i don't care if you think it's a tired old argument i don't care if you think like oh women are deceived because you know what most of them aren't some of them might be but most of them aren't we know no. exactly what we're doing um and this is what the sexual revolution gave us and right. now we live in a time where children are being dismembered because they have told their parents and their doctor they think they're a gender that they're not and it all matters and it's all tied together and it's all a rejection of god and his standards mm -hmm. so don't borrow from worldly ideologies to make your point you have everything in scripture that you need to be quote pro-woman and you have everything in scripture that you need to be compassionate and loving and empathetic and what the world gives you is a false sense of compassion right. and a false sense of love and look at the fruit of it like the fruit shows the root like just right. let's be honest about that yep so yes we care greatly about it and i hope that this was helpful for you um I'll link to some more resources in the show notes if you have any interest in learning more about the second wave or these ideologies or where we got our information. Um, now that I'm speaking so intensely, I don't know how to switch gears and tell you <laughs> that I need you to, um, if you want early release episodes. Well, we want to be here. Yes, we, we do. We are doing this. Um, we are passionate about this. Um, and we feel very strongly about this and it's not just because we like hearing ourselves talk it's because we want people to know this information and so far people have heard it and we want people to continue hearing what we say not for our own glorification but so that they can hear it because we care about the stuff that we're saying um, so to do this requires some amount of money yeah. and um so if you want to support us and partner with us and make all this uh, possible and happen. continue, yes, yes, 
then um, you can go on patreon.com slash theologians and you can give six dollars a six month. Six is the standard. For, some people give more, some people give less, but right. that's whatever typical. you less than are a Netflix able and what you like. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it means a lot to us and it is the difference between the show happening and the show not happening. Right. And we have some things coming up this year that we want to do that mm-hmm. are going to require more time and effort right? and money. So right. um, we'd appreciate it if you did that. And uh, I don't ask for this a lot because it sounds annoying, but it seriously makes a big difference, you guys. Like it makes a big difference for us. So if you could take five minutes out of your day and rate and subscribe on iTunes, we would really appreciate that. Um, we have a lot of ratings because when we first started, do you remember? We, we asked would for ask that all, all the, the time. time. And like overnight we had all these and I just stopped asking. But yeah. um, I know you guys are probably like, why does it matter? It matters. Just do it. Thanks, Livia. Don't ask questions. <laughs> um, you can also, I love your guys' voicemails. This is like my monthly, bi-monthly. She tells me all the time. She's So I like sw- had to switch everything over to a new computer. So I got all the login information so I can start listening regularly again. But she keeps telling me, yes. you have to listen to the voicemails. You have to listen to the voicemails. The voicemails are incredible. And they. And then, of course, the other day, my husband left a voicemail His for us. His voicemail was hysterical. <laughs> um, but seriously, your guys' voicemails, and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Um, I feel kind of bad because you call and leave a voicemail. And it's not like I'm, I should pick up my phone and call you back. I don't even know if like the voicemail number... <laughs> you're calling from is your what like i can't respond to you okay i think that'd be like a breach of your privacy and it would be weird and also i I can't get in a text conversation with every one of you right um but i listen to the voicemails and i just i really appreciate what you guys call and say and when you give feedback and um even when you call and you're like you're the best show ever but this thing you said was dumb i even appreciate that and love that and and thank you for your voicemails keep them coming the voicemail number is 470-465-0475. And um, we will see you next week. Yes. Okay, bye. For the third wave. <laughs>